0: Welcome to the Well Community Church Podcast. For more information on us and our mission to help people connect to God and to each other in every neighborhood, check us out at thewellcommunity.org or on our app, The Well Friends. Amen. Amen. Well, good evening, family. How are we doing? Good. I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. It's good to be with you. I trust you had a good Christmas and uh, good New Year's and all that. We had a great time in our house. All three of my kiddos were back and mama's heart is overflowing as you with parents that have kids that are away and they come home uh, understand it has been really good. Uh, for those of you that maybe I haven't met yet, my name is Mike. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at the well and I get the great privilege uh, of opening the word with you tonight. We're kind of... Um, In some ways, tying a bow on what Brad, our our lead pastor and elder uh, here at the Well Community Church, did for the last two weeks, walking us through what it means to do life with God. Um, If you missed those two weeks, I wouldn't necessarily call it like a a New Year's resolution message, but it really was a a sense of like, how do we, in a season when we're thinking about... um, Man, how to do life differently and making resolutions. How do we include God in that? And he did a phenomenal job of walking us through uh, two weeks of that. If you remember with me, uh, the first week we talked about doing life with God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, uh, that though um, way back in in a day long ago in Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve, um, we inherited the same disease that they had, which is wanting to do life apart from God, that we want autonomy, that in our flesh uh, we tend not to submit to those things. And yet God wants us to live. Live in relationship with him. And because of the Holy Spirit, the helper that he has sealed us with for those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ, we have the power and the ability to do that because he is both with us and he is in us. So we can live life with God. And then last week, Brad walked through kind of a, a rule of life, like okay, how do we put some intentionality to that idea of doing life with God? How do we build uh, our lives in such a way? To put shoe leather on it, so to speak, so that we can be intentional about living life that way. But if I'm honest, as I think about those two sermons, it's really just one side of the coin. God has not simply designed us for intimate relationship with just him. Uh, that's not necessarily the case, it's really just half the story. You hear us say around here often that we do, or that we see God change lives through three primary vehicles, God's word, which obviously we spend a great deal of time studying and looking at as as, as we teach from that at, the, at church. Uh, secondly is God's spirit, which we talked about last week, and then this week I want to talk about God's people, God's word, God's spirit, and God's people. In Genesis chapter two, as you just think about that concept of what God said after he made Adam. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. And that most certainly applies to the marriage relationship. That was the context of Genesis 2 as, as God mentioned that, but certainly applies to us as human beings outside of marriage as well. We are not designed to do life independent of other Believers of other Christians in our Uh, life—that is how God has made us that way. And I think maybe there's no other uh, clearer place in in the Scriptures that kind of exalts that idea than Hebrews chapter 10. And I want you to turn there if you have your Bible with you. Hebrews chapter 10, and we're just going to look at a few verses tonight talk about what this idea is, is we really try to uh, look at both sides of this coin. How do we do life with God, and how do we do life both with him and with other people? And I think the author of Hebrews really unpacks this idea. Hebrews chapter 10, we're gonna look at verses 19 through 25 together. I just wanna read them to you uh, as we get going. Hebrews 10 verse 19 says this. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another on towards love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more. As you see the day drawing near, as you look at these first five verses, in verses 19 through 23 specifically, they are dealing with our relationship with God. Based on the sacrifice that Christ made on our behalf, he made life with God a possibility. We could not do that aside from the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus Christ, we can draw near to God. The author says in verse 19, we have confidence to stand before God. In verse 21, we have a great high priest in Jesus who is our advocate. In verse 22, we can draw near to God because we are seen as clean and pure in the eyes of God. Literally the idea of being sincere, he says, be true. We can be our true selves in front of God because he knows all of us. As we've talked about in here frequently, because of what Jesus did and because of our relationship with the Father, we are fully forgiven, fully accepted, fully known, and fully loved because of what Christ has done. And the author finishes kind of that section in verse 23 saying, hold fast to that. Remember that confession that we have made that because of what Jesus has done, we have intimacy with the Father. Nothing we did uh, merited any of that. We are simply recipients of grace and mercy and the goodness of God. But I want you to notice this paragraph doesn't end there. And if that's all that we needed to know is, hey, it's just about you, solo, doing life with God, mono y mono. that's where this would end. But I want you to notice that's not at all where the, uh, the author ends this idea. In like a good two in the morning infomercial, wait, there's more. Look at this crucial word beginning in verse twenty-four, and I want you to see the shift that the author intentionally makes as he's shown you one side of the coin of life with God, but now the other. He says in verse twenty-four, "Let us consider how to stimulate one another on towards love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near." That word "and" is crucial to that understanding: life with God and life with other human beings. The of in, in addition to life with God, we must live life with other human beings. It's like peanut butter and jelly. They simply go together. The command is to us, to believers, to the church, those who believe in Jesus Christ. And he says, I want you to consider I want you to to carefully think through or ponder something. Uh, And that specific thing that he's asking us as believers to ponder is how to stimulate one another on. The idea is to to provoke to action. How do we, when we come together as believers in Jesus Christ, in environments like this and other environments, how do we stimulate one another on towards godliness? How do we encourage one another? How do we spur one another on? That's actually the language that the ESV uses, to, to stir one another up. It's used here, specifically speaking, of of godly men and women in the body of Christ uh, pushing each other towards further godliness. Specifically, the author says here, to love and to good deeds. That as we get together, our actions around one another should provoke us to live in a way similar to our Savior did. And here's how we're to do that. He says in verse 25, not forsaking our own assembly together, as is the habit of some, uh, certainly is this idea of assembling together is in an environment much like what we're in now, the the local body coming together for a corporate gathering. Uh, But the corporate gatherings back in that day were much smaller environments. Think house churches, not big buildings. So as they got together with other believers, they could do that in those environments. They could encourage one another. They could spur one another on. They could think through how to how to push one another towards godliness, places where life on life with other Christians was possible. And the author here is saying, we need that type of environment. So instead of forsaking our assembly together, as some Christians apparently in that day and age were in the habit of doing, he says, no, no. He says, I want you to encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. I want you to exhort. I want you to come alongside of is literally the meaning of that word in a way that you help another believer. When your life and their life meet together, your life is a help, not a hindrance to them. Your life spurs them on towards further godliness. That that word, by the way, is the word parakaleo. It's a fascinating word. It means literally... um, to come alongside of, that's the verb form. The noun form is actually used uh, of the Holy Spirit, the one who comes alongside us as a helper. In fact, Jesus in John 14 says, I ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. There's that same derivative of that word, that he may be with you forever. Again, in John 14, verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, Whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I said to you. In a way, we are playing a role similar to what the Holy Spirit plays in the lives of believers. I don't want to get those confused. The Holy Spirit is very unique in his job in our lives. But he says in the same way, other believers come alongside one another to help, to encourage, and to spur one another on towards further godliness. Christians, in a sense, are called to take the mantle of caring for one another. And as these specifically, these Hebrew Christians were going through intense persecution, they needed to know that they had other brothers and sisters in Christ that were there to spur them on towards further godliness. But I wanna draw your attention to something very specific in those last two verses, specifically in verse 24 and verse 25. I want you to notice something. The author says again, And I keep saying the author, by the way, we have no idea who wrote the book of Hebrews. So maybe Paul, maybe Barnabas, we don't know, so the author. Uh, But the author says here, let us consider how to stimulate one another towards love and good deeds. Verse 25, but encouraging one another. That phrase, one another, is a fascinating phrase that you see all throughout the Old, or the, the New Testament rather, and sometimes obviously in the Old as well. In fact, that phrase, one another, was such an important concept, I was told by one of my professors that when I was in seminary, there was a a doctoral student that wrote his entire doctoral thesis on those two words. If you think that's impressive, it's two words in the English, it's actually one word in the Greek. That concept of one anothering, of coming alongside one another, is used a hundred and three times in our New Testament in 94 different verses. In 47 times that word one another is used to give instructions to individual believers, to the church at large, but specifically to believers on how we are to interact with one another. Uh, I want you just to listen uh, to a sampling of some of the, the places in the New Testament that we are called as brothers and sisters to come alongside one another. We are told in Galatians chapter 5 to serve one another. We're told in Romans to accept one another. We're told in the book of Ephesians to be kind and tender-hearted and forgiving one another. We're told in Colossians to bear with and forgive one another. To seek good for one another in 1 Thessalonians. To be at peace with one another. To tolerate one another in love. To give preference to one another in honor. To regard one another as more important than yourselves to wash one another's feet, to be subject to one another, to clothe yourselves in humility towards one another, to bear one another's burdens, to speak the truth to one another. It says, do not lie to one another in Colossians, to comfort one another in 1 Thessalonians, to encourage and build up one another, to stimulate one another on towards love and good deeds, the text that we just read, to pray for one another, to be hospitable to one another, to confess sins to one another, and finally, to love one another, 11 times in our New Testament, we are told to love one another. Dozens and dozens of verses, commanding and or exhorting believers in the body of Christ to live life deeply with other believers for the sake of our mutual growth in Christ. Friends, the reality is, those one another's simply cannot happen if we are not living life at some deeper level than this specific room provides. Uh, The rows are great, what we accomplish on a a Thursday or a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening, they're, they're all fantastic things and we believe in those. But we cannot fulfill these commands in scripture if at some point during our regularly weekly rhythm we are not one anothering with other believers in the body of Christ. We can't fulfill those commands, we can't do them to others, we can't serve others in that way and they can't serve us in the same. Because in a, in a way, in the same way, in a lot of ways, in, in, in that Christ, because of what he has done on our behalf, we are fully forgiven, fully accepted, fully known, and fully loved. We need to be environment, in environments where that is true of us as well with other humans, where we are fully known, where we are fully accepted where we are fully loved and at times fully forgiven for our own faults with our fellow man. We need to let people into our lives, into the good and the bad and the ugly. And if we don't do that, these things simply cannot be. As I reflect on my Christian life, as I think about becoming a believer at 18 years old, the University of North Texas way back in the day in 1994, uh, my growth, if I'm honest, was a rocket ship. And the reason being was God put me in a good church. I was very grateful for that. But I think the primary reason that my growth in Christ occurred so quickly is that God put me around other godly men who deeply cared about me. They accepted me, my faults, my issues, uh, my sin tendencies. They dug deeply in my life. They wouldn't let me live on the surface. I served with those men. Uh, I served for a couple of years as an usher, and I thought it was the coolest job ever because they gave me a black shirt and a flashlight. And I was like, I, I got a 3D battery mag light. Like, I, am, I have arrived, right? But we did life deeply with those men. Uh, I served with them. I did life with them. Uh, And as I think through every season of my Christian life, as I look back and see the seasons of greatest growth in my life, it's because there were other men and or women around me, be it as a single man or as a married man with my bride, uh, and believers were in my life. And if I'm honest with you, the inverse is also true. As I look back in seasons in my life where community was more distant, when I was a little bit more autonomous, Uh, when I was maybe further away from the encouragement and the accountability and the spurring of other believers in my life, I can see in those seasons where sin patterns began to elevate, where my tendencies in the flesh began to maybe take over because I didn't have other believers that were saying, hey, Mike, how are you doing? No, Mike, how are you really doing? What's going on underneath the surface? Tell me about your your thought life. Tell me about these things in your life uh, as a way to encourage me and spur me on. And my guess is, if I pulled every one of you aside and said, tell me about the seasons of greatest growth in your life, you will tell me the story of someone, be it a group of people or an individual, someone who discipled you, someone who came alongside of you, someone that cried with you on a bathroom floor when life just simply exploded on you, but they came over, they brought you food, they surrounded you, they loved you. As I look around this room, I see some of you, as I know that have been doing that for the one another's in this room. It's a powerful thing when we have people like that in our life. And I'm convinced as we look at this text that that is God's call for our life. That, by the way, is what our mission statement is all about. For the last 20 years of this church, since the day we opened our doors, we said we wanted to be a church that was about helping people connect to God and to each other in every neighborhood. Because we are convinced that God works through his word, his spirit, and his people and we need that in our lives. So as we think about that, we're gonna land the plane pretty early tonight. Uh, We're gonna have a chance to really put uh, action to this idea of living life deeply with one another. At The Well, we do this in kind of one of two ways. We talk about the idea of groups and teams. Uh, We do that through groups that that serve together, that get get out of the rows and kind of get shoulder to shoulder, that they are about accomplishing a task with one another, other men or other women, whether that's greeting people at the door or, or making the coffee that we all enjoy or any other of hundreds of tasks that get done by so many of you in this body and we also do that, I'm sorry, that's our teams, and we also do that in groups, uh, life groups that we call them, where we get together out of rows and kind of get into a circle, where we get around one another, we look at one another, environments like regen and reengage, and specifically, our life groups, where we get a chance to do that deeply with other people. That is our best attempt to uh, help move uh, people from kind of anonymity and, and the fringes and kind of kicking the tires of the church, which we appreciate and, and want to give people an opportunity to do. But when you're ready to take that next step, we want to help you do that. And tonight really is all about helping people connect to groups and teams uh, in, in this body. And as I kind of finish here. I maybe want to identify three groups of folks that are more than likely in this room. Uh, Number one, there's a group of folks, as I'm even looking out, that you're doing this. As you think about your life, you're in community. You are in relationships with other people, be it a life group, be it a service team, uh, maybe something that's maybe not quite on our radar, but you're living life deeply with other believers in Christ. What I want to say to you is good for you. Keep doing it. Invite other men and women that know the Lord into those environments with you, but kudos to you for living life deeply as God has called us to do. Secondly, I would imagine there's a group of folks in this room that are like, man, this is kind of new to me, Mike. Like, I, I'm, I, I haven't ever done this before. This feels weird. I don't know about this whole unzipping and bearing my soul to other people. I, I'm not quite ready for that. Like, okay. Can I encourage you to take a step? Go make coffee with somebody. Go say hello to someone at the door. Put on a name tag and say good morning or good evening or whatever it may be. All of us can do that and fake a smile if we have to, right? Uh, we're warm-blooded human beings. And, and in that, I think you'll find that it's not just who you're serving with or who you're maybe in a life group with but, uh, or what you're doing, but the, those people that you're with are gonna make the key difference. Would, would you be willing to take a risk? and just see what happens, and try something out, right? We say often in here, no drive-by guilt things, right? So if you sign up for the connections team and you're a greeter, you're like, I, I don't like people. I don't wanna greet people. Okay, no problem, right? You can bail and you can tell Chelsea, hey listen, I tried it, or Mallory, this didn't work, and, I, and I'm out, no problem. We will not guilt you to stay. We will help you find another place of service that may be better fitting for you. But would you be willing to try it, okay? And then the third group of people, I'm guessing in a crowd our size, in a church as big as we are, there are people that have been in those environments and said, you know what, that's not for me. I got burned. Uh, Something I said in that group that was private and man, I revealed my soul to people, that that got out, or man, I I didn't connect with these people and and Mike, I'm just kind of done with that for whatever reason. Maybe you were hurt, maybe you got burned, maybe you just didn't find a connection that first time in. Would you be willing maybe to re-enter that environment, to try again? Uh, the first time you jump into a life group, that may not be like the group of people that are gonna stand with you at your wedding uh, or your pallbearers at your funeral. That, that may not be the case. It may take several attempts to, to find community in those regards. But if that's you, and, and maybe you've had a bad experience or you've been out of the game for a little while, can we invite you back into that? Can we lovingly encourage you to maybe um, to rethink that opportunity? So whether this is something that's brand new for you or maybe something that uh, you've done before and are disinterested in, would you be willing to jump back maybe into that environment one last time uh, and see maybe what you would do. I'm convinced that if Jesus can call a guy like Matthew, the tax collector, and Simon, the zealot, a guy that worked for Rome and a guy who hated Rome and put them in a life group together with 12 other dudes for three years and they figured out how to get along and change the world, I'm pretty sure that we can figure out how to do this together as well. So friends, as we consider this, my my encouragement really to you is, as Josh comes up here in just a minute and walks us through the tangibles of that, if you're not already in a group or a team at the well, would you just consider it? Would you consider maybe taking that next step into that environment uh, based on what the scriptures and Christ admonishes us to do, to both live life deeply with him, but also to live life deeply with other believers? Father, I thank you for your word, and God, just it's clear, simple exhortation that you so many times through the scriptures have shown us that that we're to live life deeply with other people. These one another simply cannot happen if we live life independently of other believers. And God, I realize that even as I say that, I have a tendency towards autonomy, I have a a tendency towards doing life on my own because of Adam, and that that has stuck with me for, for, for my life. And God, it takes courage to step out of that. So I pray if there are others here like me that maybe have had a bad experience or just are hesitant, that you would would encourage their hearts to take a a bold and courageous step into community, be that a team or a group, whatever it may be, uh, so that they can find truly what it means to live life deeply with others and find some of the greatest seasons of growth and encouragement and joy in their lives. Father, we thank you for our Savior who made all this possible. In his name we pray, amen. Thanks again for joining the Well Community Church Podcast. Be sure to check out thewellcommunity.org or our app, The Well Fresno, for more information on us, ways to connect, service times, and locations.